0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number seventeen of the Fit Life with Dawn podcast. Hope you guys are all doing well. Um, this week, I wanted to continue with my um, weight loss and fitness myths debunked. I have been compiling them <laughs> over the last couple of weeks, and I know that everybody likes that um, I did that a few weeks ago, the part one, but I didn't want to overwhelm you with too much at once, so I figured I would do a part two. Um, I have some other good podcasts um, lined up for you guys. Next week is going to be all about sleep and how it affects fat loss and weight loss, so stay tuned for that because that's a really good episode, but this week I wanted to continue with my weight loss and fitness mix, okay? So, uh, last week, if you well, not last week, last time we did... um, eight very good ones. If you haven't checked that out, go back and catch up on that. And today is part two. So we are going to start. um, Weight loss myth number one. Everyone has a certain weight that they have to be at, um, or that they should be at. Okay, so here's the thing that you everybody has a, a weight where their body is happy, their weight where their body is healthy. But I would know that a lot of girls say to me like, Oh, I really want to be like 132. But it's so hard to say that there's one specific weight that you want to be at. First of all, you need to give yourself a range. Yes, there is a range of weight where your body is happy and healthy. But um, you can't be so fixed on the number. And I know you hear this a lot. And it's annoying to hear. But it's very true. Because the number in the scale doesn't tell the whole story. There are daily fluctuations in, your, in the scale weight. For example, it depends on water retention, sodium. Let's say you went out to dinner the night before and you had a lot of sodium. You were going to be up maybe a pound or two. Carbs, if you have a lot more carbs. Carbs are also stored in the body with water. So it does tend to make you hold on to water a little bit, which is very easily excreted from the body through urine or sweat. So don't worry so much about that. Your menstrual cycle, what what time of the month you're in, what part of your cycle you're at, um, will tell you what your weight will be like sometimes. you know, I know I see girls go up two, three, four pounds the week before their cycle and then lose it. Um, So you can't be so fixated on that. You're not gaining fat. Uh, Your digestion, if you went to the bathroom or not, that could fluctuate a couple pounds. Um, Also, if you have muscle on your body, Uh, muscle is a lot more, uh, dense than, um, than fat. So it weighs about the same, but it takes up less room in the body, which was why when you have muscle, your body looks smaller, but it doesn't necessarily mean that your weight is going to be so much lower. Um, you also, you don't know what your body is going to look like at a certain weight. You could say, I want to be 130, but at 130, you may not like the way you look, you know, and if you are slowly building muscle and slowly losing body fat, you're making progress, but it doesn't mean that the scale is going to drastically change. Uh, for example, I have a very good client of mine and uh, we went through two transformations for her. This is uh, the first one was um, post baby. Um, and the, even this time, this transformation and the last transformation um, were both the same with her. she, um doesn't change on the scale very much. But she her body just starts to look so different. And when you look at her, you're like, wow, I can't believe how great you look. You look so tight and fit. But the, the scale changes maybe a few pounds of her. It's not a crazy difference, but her body composition is changing. So be more concerned with your body composition and how much muscle versus fat you have on your body, rather than what the actual weight is, because your goal should be to look more fit and toned and good in a bikini. I have been at this weight in my life before where I wasn't happy. Um, Right around the time of my wedding, 10 years ago, um, I was like a little bit more actually in weight than I am now. Um, Very little bit, but or about the same, let's say. But I didn't like the way I looked because I didn't do enough strength training and I didn't have as much muscle. So I felt flabby, I felt flat. So I didn't love that number on me, but now I do. So um, it really depends on your body composition. You really need to focus more on body composition than you do on the weight and the number. Because you could be at your goal weight and not look good at all. You could be 120 pounds of pure flab or pure fat and break down all your muscle doing so because you're trying so hard to lose weight. And then you're like, well, why don't I feel like I look good? Why do I feel so flabby? that's because you're not focusing on body recomp, you're focusing more on the weight. So don't worry so much about, I know it's, again, people tell you this all the time, it's a little hard to wrap your mind around not caring about the scale, but really check yourself out in your clothes, check yourself out by pinching the fat on your stomach and seeing if it changes at all. That's a really good indication that something has changed. Pinching underneath your arm, pinching like, Your hips, you know, seeing where your body fat is, right? That is so much more important than the number on the scale. So, and and I think anybody would agree that looking good in a bikini or naked or in shorts is going to be better than, oh, I hit 115 pounds. Because if you're 115 pounds and you have no muscle, that's not where you want to be. Okay, so don't be so fixated on the number on the scale. You don't even know what that number is going to look like on you. You could be, again, 115 pounds and not love it. So there's not one specific weight for everybody. There's a range. And it also depends very much on your muscle and your body composition, okay? All right, so let's move on. So myth number two is that you must cut out carbs if you want to lose weight. Okay, so all carbs are not created equal, all right? There is a potato chip and then there is a potato, okay? Okay. There is a processed carb and then there is an unprocessed carb. And I've spoken about this before in podcasts, right? So you're not looking to cut out all carbs. You know, the carbs are not your enemy. Quinoa and sweet potato is not your enemy. Um, Processed food is your enemy, like your potato chips and your, um, God, why can't I think of it? Like your breads and stuff like that. You know, that's what's not great for your body. You know, I'm not saying it's a complete like you should never, ever have it. But for the most part, um, when people see that they cut out carbs, they and that they lose weight, it's most likely because they cut out their processed crappy foods like their chips and their breads and their pastas and stuff like that. But you could have a perfectly healthy diet. And I do as well um, and have a lot of carbs in there. I always have carbs in my diet and it has nothing to do with, you know, whether or not I'm going to lose weight or not, you're, you're going to lose weight if you are overall in a calorie deficit, not if you cut out carbs. Yes, if you cut out processed foods, but that doesn't mean you just have to cut out carbs because in the end, if you cut out carbs for too long, you're going to feel very drained and you're going to have a deficit in energy. So that's also not good because that's not great to fuel you. All right. Carbs are great for providing like a quick energy, uh, pick me up if you're active. Um, And again, it's not carbs that's going to make you gain weight. It's overall calorie surplus. So when people like, well, my friend lost all this weight because she cut out carbs. I'm like, no, your friend cut out the pasta and the pizza and the processed foods, not carbs in general. So don't put all carbs in one category. Okay. You could have, you could lose weight and still eat your sweet potato and your quinoa and your brown rice and stuff like that. Okay. And your beans and legumes. Okay. Those are carbs too. Okay, number three, just because you are thin or not overweight, it means that you are healthy. This is very far from the truth. There are a lot of thin underweight girls or normal weight girls or boys, guys, that are not healthy. You could also be skinny fat where you have no muscle in your body. Uh, You could be at a normal weight but have a high amount of belly fat or visceral fat, which is highly correlated to heart disease. Uh, You could also have high cholesterol or high triglycerides or high blood pressure. Um, and you could still be malnourished if you're not getting adequate, adequate nutrients in your diet. So if you're one of those people like, oh, I'm just always thin, so I eat whatever the hell I want and I eat like crap, um, then you're not, getting, you're not properly nourishing your body. You're not giving yourself the right nutrients. You likely do not have the right amount of um, body fat versus muscle in your body. So I don't care if you're like, well, my friend Mary is so skinny, she could just eat whatever. I'm like, well, if your friend Mary keeps on eating whatever for a long time, She's going to run into a lot of health issues. She's going to run into hormonal imbalances. She's going to run into nutritional deficiencies. And eventually she's going to start to gain weight just like the rest of us. (laughs) So some people just catches up with them a little bit later. Okay. And again, uh, just because you're thin, if you have no muscle in your body, that's also not good for your bone mass and it's not good for um, your overall health. Okay. So if you are naturally thin, um, you could n- still need to, you know, work out and you still need to eat healthy because you still need to nourish your body. And I give a lot of credit to girls who are naturally thin and still put the work in and still train and still eat healthy just because they don't take advantage of, oh, I'm naturally thin, so I'm going to eat Oreos. You know, they're like, well, I'm naturally thin, so I'm grateful, but I still want to be good to my body. I still want to eat healthy. I still want to, you know, do the right thing. I still want to have muscle. I still want to train. So I really respect that a lot. So don't think just because you're thin that you don't have to worry about nutrition and you don't have to, I mean, you don't have to, if you don't want to, but it's going, you're going to hit hit a roadblock. And I've heard, heard a lot of girls tell me growing up, they were naturally thin. And now all of a sudden post 30 years old, they uh, are gaining weight and they have no idea how to control it because they never had to before. So if you are naturally thin you still need to pay attention to your health and fitness. Cannot stress that enough. Okay. Number four is one I'm always battling with people about. Kids need sugar. Okay. So all of the sugar that children need comes from nature. Okay. Um, they don't need a They don't need processed foods. They don't need stuff from the kids menu. They don't need deep fried chicken fingers. Uh, they don't need sour patch kids. Okay, they have fruit if they want some natural sugar. There's natural sugar in a lot of things that are healthy that come along with other nutrients and vitamins. Kids do not need processed sugar. If you give it to your children, it's because you choose to. But do not justify it in your mind saying, my children need sugar or kids need sugar, they don't. If every once in a while they want a treat, fine. Or if you're like, oh, well, they're gonna have it at the kid's party. Okay, so let them have it at a kid's party. But know that when you're home, you serve healthy food, and that you're not giving them Sour Patch Kids at home, you know, so don't justify that in your mind, seeing that they need it, they're kids, it doesn't matter, kids don't need sugar the way that adults don't need sugar, we only need natural sugar that comes perfectly packaged in nature to have other nutrients and fiber, such as antioxidants, such as fruits, and stuff like that, like an apple has sugar in it, but it also has high amount of of uh, fiber it has uh, antioxidants so and it has other vitamins in it that is necessary for the body so nature is not stupid it's very smart so when it gives you sugar in a fruit or a vegetable it also comes with a lot of other health benefits to it as opposed to like sour patch kids which does not it only has toxic harmful chemicals in it okay Uh, so society has really made us believe that kids need crappy food to be happy but I really urge you all to be those parents that fight against it and really try as hard as you can, even if once in a while they have it at kids' parties or something like that or a friend's house, fine, but try at home to give them foods that nourish their bodies. And there are so many tips that I'm not going to go into on how you can explain to your children, how you can model to them what is a good food, what is not so good food, what is more nutrient, what is not so nutritious, rather, and what is not so nutritious. So, there's many ways to do that without traumatizing them. So, yeah, we could talk more if you really want more tips about that. But I don't want to bore everybody with that because everybody has children. Um, the next one, the team days, team no days off or go hard or go home. Okay, so let's unpack just a little bit. This is sort of like a part A and a part B. I was going to make them into two separate ones, but they're very similar. Okay, so team no days off. I don't love this mentality. This is the mentality that I had years ago when I first started working out and I ended up being injured a lot. Why? Because team no days off because team didn't give myself enough time to recover. And I had to learn, you know, as I get a little older and I'm not old, I'm still in my thirties. I'm only 32 years old, but I had to learn that, you know, I will end up being really broken and injured if I keep with that mentality. I don't like the T no days off mentality. It's childish to be very honest with you. I don't like it. And you'll end up hurting yourself. Uh, this, um, too, too much high intense exercise or too much exercise in general, too much st- exercise is stress in the body. It's a good type of stress which acutely very short term raises your cortisol. And then it's, and then it it goes down after your workout, this is normal stress in your body. But if you are chronically raising your cortisol all the time, always training, always running, always high intense, always hit, you know, then you're chronically raising your cortisol, which is very inflammatory for the body. Okay. You cause inflammation in your body when you work out, which is fine. If you are pairing it with the proper amount of recovery time. If you don't balance it out, you're going to end up injured and it's going to work against you. Without adequate recovery, you will not see results. Sometimes your body needs some gentle movement, right? And this goes with the go hard or go home mentality, which I don't like as well um, because that's not true. Sometimes you need to be gentle, (laughs) you know, and not necessarily go hard. Uh, Sometimes your body needs gentle movement in order to reduce inflammation and heal. Um, I can't, I can't tell you how many times people have told me, um, I'm working out seven days a week and all of a sudden I'm gaining weight or I'm feeling bloated. I'm feeling inflamed and I'm not looking good and I'm not feeling good because they are working out too high intense, too much. Not everyone's bodies could handle that. Um, even athletes put a lot of time into recovery and in their off season, they put a lot of time into, you know, reducing inflammation and balancing it out. So maybe they go hard for a few months, but in their off seasons, if they really want to recover well, they are putting a lot of time into active recovery. All right. I always preach that walking is one of the best things you could do to burn calories and simultaneously decrease your cortisol. So really utilize these types of exercises or movements in between your high intense. I'm not saying just walk all the time, but in between, you know, maybe a day of high intense and the next day of low intense walking, you know, um, Maybe some simple strength training with nothing, no craziness in between, you know, um, and that, and, or restorative yoga or something like that. Because if you chronically elevate your cortisol with high intense workouts, it's going to work against you. You need to balance out your hard work and your recovery. Uh, And you don't always need to go ham uh, with your workout in order to see benefits, Um, like I said, I've seen a lot of girls where it started to go where in the beginning, they were losing all kinds of weights and all weight. And all of a sudden they're like, I'm gaining weight or I'm plateauing because their body is just under way too much stress. All right. And again, you may not see that when you're 18 years old, but you will definitely see it when you hit 30. Uh, And not like, again, 30 is still young, but you still need to take care of yourself in order to continue your lifestyle for the long run right? We're not looking to burn ourselves out by this time we're 25, right? And I've seen girls at 18 years old um, in, let's say, doing high intense exercises day in and day out because they got addicted to it and they start to lose their periods. So be really careful with this type of thing because that is indication that something is wrong in the body, okay? And you could also start to gain uh, fat from that or gain belly fat because of high levels of cortisol, Um, so definitely be careful with that. Okay. There's a time and place. And I always say that for high intense exercise, I love high intense exercise, but I also force myself to have a routine where I do one day on one day off one day on one day off like that, you know, and off doesn't mean I'm sitting on my ass off means that I'm walking or doing something lower intense that I keep moving my body. I keep getting in my steps, but I'm not necessarily going crazy at the gym. You know, sometimes Like on a Saturday on an off day for me, I'll, you know, you create a couple errands that I have to run and I will get in over 20,000 steps just by walking around doing errands. So I didn't do anything stressful for my body, but I'm getting a lot of steps. I'm walking a lot and I end up burning just as many calories as I did on the days that I was working out. So if you pair that with strength training, obviously walking doesn't help you build muscle, but if you pair walking, which is low intense, burning calories, with strain chaining, which is a little higher intense, um, but it creates tension in the muscle and it helps you build muscle. Those two are a great complement to one another. You don't even necessarily need to do so much structured cardio. I know I don't myself. I do more of my cardio and my calorie burning with everyday movement. Remember, the whole day is You know, you need to structure your whole day where you're getting movement everywhere, not just an hour at the gym and then you sit on your butt because that's not very great. You know, that's not very good for your body. You need to make it so that your life is set up where you're moving all day. Um, I always say I just try to get into some sort of movement when I'm recording my podcast. Um, So right now I am sitting on a stationary bike in my home gym and I am (laughs) and I'm talking to you guys. I'm trying different ways of getting in my movement while I record being outside is a little bit hard with the cars and people and horns, but, um, so I found a new way. So here I am burning a couple calories, not stressing on my body, just getting in some gentle movement. Okay. Cause I'm not trying to be doing high intense movement all day. There is a time and a place. Um, and the last one I wanted to say was that you should, uh, the myth is that you should starve yourself to lose weight. So you guys, if you know me at all, you know what I'm going to say about this um starvation diets are obviously not sustainable whatsoever matter of fact they will cause you to binge and then gain all the weight that you lost plus more these types of diets studies have shown have a very high rate of regain why because uh well a bunch of reasons (laughs) you end up binging on highly palatable foods afterwards because you feel so restricted you end up binging on high fat high sugar foods to compensate for what you weren't what you were lacking um, yeah, you may see results in the first week, but then after that, you will gain it right back. You will go right back to your old diet, and your metabolism is going to significantly decrease because of the low uh, amounts of energy you're giving it. See my previous podcast about uh, you know, energy, energy restriction and metabolism and fat loss, but, um, and I did speak a lot about that in the last episode. Um, But yeah, if you're not giving your body like for a a long period of time, I'm not talking one day, Um, people do fasting for one day strategically, and it's okay. Um, There are some benefits to it if it's done properly. But if you're going a long period of time with a very, very low diet, a low calorie diet, your, your metabolic rate will significantly decrease. So whereas you may have been burning your BMR, which is the amount of calories that you burn at rest may have been... 1200 before it's all of a sudden you're going to start going down to a thousand so you're going to be burning less calories per day at rest um and also low calorie diets are very catabolic meaning that they break down muscle they use uh your muscle first as energy so not only is your metabolism your, your metabolism uh your metabolic rate rather going down but you're also in a state of um you know you're you're in a catabolic state where you're also going to be eating away your muscle first and foremost. So you may also lose weight that week, but a lot of it will be muscle, which is terrible for your metabolism in general. And it's terrible for your, for your body and for your health and for your goals. So you're kind of working against your goals. You're also going to run into other hormonal imbalances and you're going to be malnourished for sure. Because if you're only getting 800 calories a day, you're not getting the nutrients that you need. So yes, I get it. There are fasting mimicking diet fifth fasting mimicking diets that you could do and done properly, they could help depending on the person. They don't work for everybody. Remember that they don't work for everybody and they're not necessarily good for everybody. But there are fasting mimicking diets or fasting diets that could help for a short period of time. But if you do this for a prolonged period of time, if you're on a couple of weeks of a very low calorie diet or more than a couple weeks, you're again your metabolism will slow and your fat loss will stall very quickly. So it's not a strategic way to lose weight. You're going to see results in the first, first few days. And then you are going by a few weeks later, you will more than compensate. And as soon as your body gets the calories that it wants, it's going to gobble them right up and it's going to keep all that fat storage. So don't, don't start with the starvation diets, okay? Learn to eat healthy and learn to control your calories. Eat well-balanced diet. Like I always say, enough protein because protein is very muscle sparing. Uh, Protein is a very high satiating macronutrient. So it's great for um, a good, well balanced diet, especially when you're in fat loss mode. Um, And it is muscle sparing again because when you're in fat loss mode, your body is a little bit catabolic where it likes to eat away at muscle. So if you have a high amount of protein, it'll help keep your muscle. Um, but don't go long periods of time on low calorie diets. Um, Again, I'm not talking a day or two. I'm talking more than a week or so. Um, right, right away that will have an effect on your body and on your, your, um, goals. All right. So that'll be it for today. Um, again, next week's episode is going to be all about sleep and fat loss and weight loss. Um, somebody asked for me to, um, somebody requested it and it's something that I really, love to talk about. And it's something that I've been um, researching for a while now anyway. So I thought it was a great time to do that. So stay tuned for that next week. And again, if you guys have any questions, comments, suggestions about what you want to hear next, hit me up. Let me know if you listen to the podcast. Let me know if you liked it. Let me know if it's helpful and what you would like to hear going forward. I hope you guys have a great week and speak to you all soon.